Lisa Chase told me the last three years have stretched her brain in ways she never knew possible. She worked for almost 30 years as an editor and writer for Outside, Premier New York, and Wired, and Men's Journal Magazines, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Observer, and HarperCollins and Random House. In 2018, she took a buyout package from Hearst Corp to go do something entirely new. First, a short stint as an intern on Fiasco, the podcast. And then in 2019, she teamed up with two friends slash neighbors, all named Lisa, by the way, to begin the arduous process of opening a small Brooklyn-style eatery in her hometown, which happens to be my hometown in Larchmont, New York. And they did it all in the middle of the pandemic. Lisa's a great storyteller, and in this episode, I'm reminded it's never too late to try something new that stretches your brain. What are you waiting for? Lisa, it's so great to have you on Bucket List Careers. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. I love when a mutual friend connects the dots, like Shauna Keegan, who did this for us. I know she's listening right now, supporting It's also a lot of fun to talk to a former fellow journalist who has shifted gears and you're doing something totally new. You just opened recently this Brooklyn-style cafe in the hometown that we share. So how did you first get into journalism, Lisa? Well, I went to journalism school. You did. I went to Dill School and I loved being able to tell a story for a living. I will tell you that until I opened my own business, the shop, I realized when I opened that business that I finally had a real job. That in all those years I was a journalist, it was almost like a fantasy. It was super fun. I met really interesting people. I could call up people like John Krakauer and say, do you want to go climb a mountain (laughs) and write about it? When they would say yes. And I met famous people, you know, I met Katy Perry, I met Hillary Clinton, I met Woody Allen. Wow. Do you have a favorite among those that you've interviewed? I would say Woody Allen is probably the most interesting. Maybe not my favorite. Sure. Not your favorite, but witty and yes, a lot to unpack there, of course. Yeah. You know, my favorite piece I wrote for a magazine I was working for Elle was I went and interviewed Al Gore. Got it. He made the second movie about climate change. It's about 100 degrees. (laughs) This is perfect for the subject. That's apropos, right? We were both drenched in sweat. You know, he was great. So it was really fun. And I met great people and I loved telling stories. I got really interested in the environment in a lot of those jobs. I was able to do work. Hmm. I was the editor of our environmental issue at Elle that we did for five or six years. And I worked at Outside where I learned about climate change like 30 years ago. My colleagues were great and I loved it. And then in the early aughts, things began to change in the business. Mm -hmm. The business model, as you probably know, that had existed, that kept it alive started to fall apart. And I just began to feel like I was in my 50s. And I thought, I don't want to ride this sinking ship down to the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. I began to think about what else I might do. And then in 2018, my boss at L quit. And suddenly the terrain changed. And I was offered a buyout and I took it. And that was a pivotal moment for you. Totally, because I didn't know what I was going to do at that point. I hadn't decided to open the shop. I worked actually on a podcast with Leon Nafok, Fiasco. And how was that? It wasn't a long stint, but did you enjoy it? Yes, I loved it. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Why is that? Well, interviewing audio, doing audio editing, 
It was a journalism podcast, so we were calling up people and interviewing people about the Gore versus Bush election. Got it. Trying to get people to talk to you. But I had been a guest on Slow Burn which, when Leo was ran that podcast late, and I loved it. So I called him. I'd seen The Intern with starring Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway, and I mm-hmm. I called him and I said, look, I'll be Robert De Niro. <laughs> and you need, you need an experienced editor uh, and booker and somebody who can get people on the phone and I'll do it for free in return for learning. So they said yes. So I did it until things began to heat up at the restaurant. We'd had a lot of stops and starts in getting our little venture going. And that was about 2019. So this is all fairly recently. So you really had a few different things that were cooking at the same time. But clearly the pandemic came into play and that slowed things down for you. It did, although it kind of opened things up too, because I just decided for the first time in a long time to just be completely open. Mm, I love that. You know, try to be really open to experiences, ideas. While I was trying to get the shop open, the podcast opportunity happened. And I thought, well, it'll be good for my brain. I believe what people say that if you do something completely different, you teach yourself something completely new that's good for your brain health. And here I am again in my mid-50s, like doing completely new things. Right. I couldn't agree more. And it's like once you get over that hump, the, the daunting aspect of an entirely new endeavor, then it's just all positivity. I mean, I think because I didn't know what I was doing with this podcast either. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned all the technical aspects of it, because that's been the hardest part for me. That's been the biggest ramp up. But once I got past that, now it's just all fantastic because I get to connect. I get to talking to people like you. It's awesome. Okay. So after you did those six months or so with the podcast and you were in development for The Grange, you also worked on another project that's helping to fight food insecurity in the Lower Westchester area, and the Grange is helping to support that. So while the delays were happening with getting the restaurant open, you were still really active. And Victory Farms is what you were instrumental in creating. So let's talk about that. So it's interesting, like you said, being connected. So all of these things I've done are about being connected, Mm -hmm. telling a story in journalism, connecting to people, connecting people to an idea or a story. You know, I think. Yeah. Opening a restaurant is being connected, and it has been completely that experience during COVID. Victory Farms was another example. We were stuck. We were supposed to open the restaurant in March of 2020. Of course, everything happened. Right. And we stopped. We weren't actually sure. We had to stop and think about whether we were going to go forward. And while we were thinking it over, you know, I'm sitting in my house feeling frustrated that we weren't open. I would have been wanting to feed first responders. I read an article in the New York Times about a a neighborhood in Rhode Island where everybody in the block planted a victory garden style garden and they did it in order to stay connected Mm -hmm. so they could be outdoors, they could be socially distant, but they could see each other. Right. And I began to think about, I began to read stories too about all the work that the local food pantry was doing here. And it was significant. They were feeding 800 families a week. Yeah. I was frustrated. I was felt like I wasn't doing anything. And I read this article and I thought I can do that. I know people. I've lived in this town for 20 right. years. So I wrote 70 people I knew and 40 of them wrote back and said, yeah, I'll grow. I'll plant a garden in my backyard. That sounds great. And we'll donate. That's amazing. So I finally put this together. I wish I'd known about this sooner. I don't have a green thumb, but you know, I would still consider doing this. But I have seen neighbors with their little gardens. What is it, like a three by six foot 
raised bed. And I thought, wow, this is popping up everywhere. So what is this about? And now I finally have my answer. (laughs) You said last summer you had about 50. How many people are doing this now? Now we have about 140. That's great. And the library and the nature center and a couple of churches. I had these empty refrigerators at the shop. We weren't using them yet. So I had to bring bring their stuff and we delivered it. And now it, this year it grew three times the size of what it was last year. So now I have to figure out how it's a good problem to have where to put everything and deliver it. Right. The storage. Yeah. But it's now it's called Victory Farms at the Grange. And it's, you know, I'm sort of connecting the two. And I love that I'm able to do that. That's so smart. And I'm able to continue this other work too. I guess the moral of the story for me is I just keep trying things. Like if I get an idea of something I want to do and I have the energy to do it, then I keep trying new things and I get something out of everything. And I hope I'm putting something into the world. Right. Finding some purpose. I mean, not that you didn't have that sort of authenticity in your career in previous years, but you know, a lot of my guests will say that they feel like, oh, they've found now their professional purpose. Do you feel that way? Do you feel differently about work day to day, or at least in terms of your goals, that you're loving what you do more than you used to? I definitely feel that I am getting closer every day. Yeah. That I now know, I will tell you that work around food insecurity is becoming more and more important. It's crystallizing. Mm-hmm. I work in a restaurant business. I see the tremendous amount of waste in the restaurant business. Yeah. I start to think about how could we participate in a different model that might be less wasteful or would allow us to compost food or would allow us to feed people meals in the restaurants. You know, there are a lot of ideas that I have cooking. So in that way, yeah, it's much more direct. I mean, one of the funny things I think about my decision during COVID is that I had a completely different experience of COVID from a lot of my friends, which is most people I knew had to kind of withdraw into their houses. Their worlds kind of got, I don't want to say smaller, but you know, they became more circumscribed by circumstances, right? Right. Whereas mine, mine went the opposite direction. I opened a restaurant. I saw a hundred people every day. I did. I'd never seen before. We were all masked up. I met people I'd never, I didn't know. My experience of the pandemic is so different from lots of people I know. The through line is making connections. Yes. There were lots of people who had moved to this town, which is in Westchester County, north of the city, who fled apartments in the city, moved to houses here, and then never got a chance to meet anybody because all the ways in which you would meet people were shut down. Totally. And we were kind of their lifeline. They'd sit outside in the freezing cold under my heaters and I would go out and like, you know, I learned how to operate propane heaters and they became my best friends and my, you know, and I, I began to realize how much people needed contact with others. Yes. I mean, it sounds sort of hokey, I suppose, Not at all. but it's just, that's what I'm trying to do. Well, right. And I also think that the theme of community is very tied to the Grange. And I was going to ask you, what do you think is singular about what you've achieved here? You, you have this new restaurant with the three Lisas. This is kind of funny that your trio of Lisas who've started this, were you all friends before? Yep. We all have known each other a long time. We have kids who are the same age. We all met as nursery school parents. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. You sort of can't make it up. Can't make it up. I did. I did buy releases.com, you know, the URL just in case. But um, (laughs) that's funny. Did one of you say, hey, let's do this? Or was this a conversation you'd been having for years? And then 
what do you think finally helped you pull the trigger to say, Larchmont needs this, the community needs this, and it can survive because dot, dot, dot? So I was driving around town one day, I was hungry, and I drove by the one place in town where you can get food, like you can get a sandwich or a salad, and there was a line out the door, I couldn't even get them on the phone. And I called up Lisa Mosco, who was working as a caterer at the time, and I said, you should open a sandwich shop in Larchmont. And she said, we should open a sandwich shop in Larchmont. (laughs) And there was a space that there was a there was a for rent sign on a a restaurant that had shuttered. And so I was parked in front of it. I said, all right, I'm going to call her. So I called the landlord. Long story short, we went down a long road with that space, ended up not working out. And we found a better space. Mm -hmm. We approached the third Lisa, Lisa Sampson who had a long career in design. She worked at Gensler and design. Okay. Very talented. We called her to ask her if she would help us with the design. And one thing led to another and she is a partner now. So the three of us launched this. I just think we all created something that we wanted that wasn't here, which was a sort of a Brooklyn style, Venice, California style, light and airy restaurant where you can get an avocado toast and you can get overnight oats. I see you've got bubble tea now. Bubble tea. The kids love the bubble tea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so fun when somebody comes in, particularly a grown up who's never had it, and you watch yeah. their. Uh, it's sort of like watching a baby eat ice cream, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like, whoa. Right. You know? Totally. I had it for the first time in Miami, and I, right, I was like, just not even sure what was going on at first, but I love it now. The party. Yeah. The party in your mouth. So. No, I like the vibe of what you've created there. What do you think you would give bucket list careers, people who are interested in launching a dream gig, but not quite there, you know, some kind of advice or nuggets drawing from your own experiences? So this isn't maybe the best advice, but it's the advice I'd give, which is don't talk to too many people about what you're doing. Oh. If I had talked to more people about what I was trying to do with this restaurant, they would have told me a million good reasons I shouldn't do it. <laughs> like 60% of restaurants fail within a year, X, Y, Z. Yep. I've still heard some of that. I couldn't block it all. You know, at one point I was offered a chance to talk to somebody who was pretty high up at Momofuku, friend of the family. And I declined because I thought, mm, I don't, I don't want to hear what she's going to tell me. Now, as a consequence, I made a lot of mistakes. My boyfriend always says, this is your MBA launching this restaurant is your MBA. Mm-hmm. And it's totally mm-hmm. true. I'm sure as the adage goes, I learned as much from my mistakes as I learned from the things that went right. I hear you. You know, I have to say that a lot of people told me, well, you need to listen to lots of podcasts before you do what you're doing. And I did some research I mean, just to make sure that it wasn't totally like a saturated theme. There are a lot of business podcasts, but I will tell you, I stopped because then I got too bogged down with comparisons. Should I change the way I do my intro? Should I have more of this or that effect? Or should I ask recurring questions? It started to get in the way, especially with something creative like this or a creative endeavor like what you're doing. You know, it's you. It's, it's your signature. I see where you're going with that. And I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, you can get great advice and great advice is great advice. It's just sometimes you have a dream and others want to protect you from the possibility of failure. But if you don't, try. <laughs> it's so cliche, but it's like, if I, if I had never tried this, I would never have had all the experiences, the terrifying ones, the great ones, mm-hmm. meaningful ones, the frustrating ones, all of which there's nothing I regret about what I've been through in the last 
two and a half years. I love that. I'm going to leave it there, actually. So what's the best way to follow you on social media? Grange Larchmont is where we are on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's a Facebook page, but mm-hmm. I think our, our Instagram page is where it's at. All right. It's off to a really good start. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this. I will see you at the cafe. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Krista. All right. Take care. Have you had a chance to rate and review Bucketless Careers? That would be awesome if you would do that. The support means a lot. We are growing all the time and it's all thanks to you. So I appreciate you listening and I will continue to bring you more guests who are inspiring, who are shaking it up to find their authentic professional selves. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.